we understand who Jesus is. <laughs> and I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And as we bring ourselves to God, it's important for us to know that he is our Savior, our friend, so all those the, the great I am's of the Bible. Well, this morning, uh, I want to welcome all of you who are listening by uh, computer through the air. And to those of you who are with us, we are grateful. Uh, a few announcements. Uh, Sunday school, we have a Sunday school, uh, 945 and 1045 is church. Um, every Sunday morning, so we're here, so plan on coming. And we're grateful for Wednesday night. We have a 7 o'clock Bible study, and uh, we've been doing the book of Revelation, and it's been quite unveiling. So that uh, was uh, going on. And then, of course, we uh, started again our ladies at uh, 9.30. 9.30 on Saturday mornings in the lower auditorium. <laughs> it's the basement, but it's the lower auditorium. So we're grateful for all the ladies who come and uh, for all the... The work that is done there. So again, we pray and invite you to be with us, and we try to be COVID compliant, um, but it's nice to be around people and to, even if you can't hug them, you can shake their hands, you can still give a little fist bump and, and talk to them. It's great to do that, and our offering plates are around the sanctuary, so people can place their offerings there, but if you have one that you would like to send in, make your check out to Winber Assembly. Box 361, Winber, PA 15963. Box 361, uh, Winber. All right. So we're grateful that you're with us. We're grateful for all of you who are here. And this me the message this morning is, Jesus is talking here in John chapter 5, verse 41. And he says, your approval means nothing. And, you know, basically what he's saying here is that man's approval means nothing. God's approval means everything. And so whenever we are, I don't know, we like people to be happy with who we are, right? You know, we like people to be happy with what we say and do, and, and that's not a, a bad thing. Um, and, but Jesus here is confronting some of the, the, the people who are telling him he's not measuring up to their expectations. And the King James Version of, Matthew, of John 5, 41 says, I receive not honor from men. It's like, I don't have any honor from you guys. Or the easy read version says, I don't want praise from you or any other human. Okay? So Jesus had it, he had it all together. Basically, he understood that his ministry and his message that he had wasn't there to please men. And that the, the religious leaders, they were always seeking well, I don't know so much they were seeking approval of other people, but the approval of their own bunch. You know, the Pharisees, Sadducees, and the Sanhedrin and all those groups, they, they kind of looked for well, their gratification to be within their own, within their own groups. And so they would, they would fight with other groups, but they themselves would, would be solidified around their own beliefs. So Jesus is saying, the things that I do are my proof. Now, Whenever we are looking for or expecting someone's approval, you know, you know, if you do a good job, you like people to say, that's a good job. But whenever they go, you say, here, here it is, and they go, huh? It's like, well, you don't like it? Well, I didn't say that. Well, do you, do you think it's a good job? Eh. Give me a break. <laughs> it's a good job. Right, Mike? If it's a good job, it's a good job. All right, there we go. See, you know, if it's a good job, it's a good job. Is there any defects in it? No. <laughs> well, then it's a good job. 
Well, we expect those things. You know, after we've worked hard, we, we do a good job. We've, you know, our profession or whatever we're, you know, we, uh, God has given us the talents to do. You know, it's a good job, then we do it. So if nothing goes wrong, it's a good job. Well, Jesus is saying, the things I do are my proof. These are what my Father gave me to do. So whenever we are looking at Jesus and his, he understood that I, I you know, I you hear him saying this in the scriptures, that I didn't come to do the will of my, I came not to do my own will, but I came to do the will of my Father. So his life was one of a higher calling. And often we don't recognize that the gifts and abilities that God has given us is a higher calling. Now, we compare, you know, well, compared to this person and me and to compare to that person, it's like, well, I'm, they might be better than I. They may be, have a bigger business. They may have more people. They may have all this, you know. But that's not the point. The point is, am I doing what God has called me to do with the talents and abilities that I have? So if we're taking the talents and abilities that we have, we are looking to God to find that approval. Well, basically, he's saying don't rely on people for approval. Because if we are constantly trying to seek the approval of people, friends, co-workers, and so on, if we're constantly trying to seek that, then all they recognize is that they just have to, eh, and we get all worked up. I like the, the study, they, one of the universities, they did it as a um, prank uh, in one class, but then eventually there was studies that were done with this. What, whenever the, uh, like, they did two different things. One was whenever the professor would wear a certain color. So they all got together and said, like the, the lady, every, the pr woman professor, when she comes and every time she would wear something red or whatever, everybody would compliment her. And then... Uh, if she didn't wear red, they would not say anything to her. So eventually they had the, the, the professor wearing red every day, you know? you know. She looked good in red. Everybody loved red, so she got red. Well, then there was another um, experiment where whenever the professor gestured with his right hand, they would pay attention. Whenever he would gesture with his left, they, wouldn't, they would kind of look down. They had the professor teaching from the right-hand corner with his right hand out the whole session. <laughs> Because he was going for approval, and, and unconsciously even. You know, it wasn't like they set out, we're going to get you teaching from the corner with your right hand extended, you know. Um, but we are prone to go in the uh, direction where we find approval and, and, and personal satisfaction. Well, God uses people to help us, so it doesn't mean that we are to totally be oblivious of what people say, you know. Sometimes constructive criticism is good, you know, because some of us aren't perfect. Thank you, yes. <laughs> some of us just aren't perfect. Uh, you know, well, some of you just aren't as perfect as I am, you know. See how that goes? You, no, I'm not as perfect as you are, and wait a minute. No, God has called us, and... We'll get into this little comparison bit here later. But God has called us to, to be the best that we are. And I, always, I like this in the sense that we always do our best. And if we do our, always do our best, our best will always increase and get better. <laughs> because we're learning to do what we're doing and continuing to add to that. 
And some of these great musicians, you know, like um, my uh, Rhonda's nephew, Alan, his wife, um, Lorraine, uh, she's a professional flutist. And, you know, she has played here, and she's uh, played for the Wichita Symphony. She taught in the university and things like that for music. And she would practice the flute four, five, six hours a day, every day. Surely you can play a tune without practicing six hours a day, <laughs> play a tune, you know. But she was, she's very committed to the, being a perfectionist in her music and, and how that she performs it. She wants it to be without flaw. And, you know, to most of us, it's flawless. But to the expert, there's little things that, little notes or something here and there that can be perfected. And if you ever come around her, she always carries her flute with her. She doesn't leave it at home. If she's traveling, she's got her flute with her. If she's on a plane, she brings her flute with her. Everywhere she goes, she carries her flute. It's just something that is part of her that she'll, she just doesn't set it down because it's who she is. And that's a good thing. Well, in our life, our perfection often is, comes from routine and going things over and over again. But you find out if people do not give their approval, if they don't give what you expect them to give, we can feel discouraged, we can feel inferior, and sometimes we'll even work overtime to uh, get their approval. And again, it's about looking at who we are and the reflection in the mirror of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the one we're looking at, and we're never going to be perfect like Jesus, but we're seeing how that we can improve who we are based on our relationship with Jesus, not based on what other people think or our approval or disapproval of people around us and that perfection in that category of where we, uh, where we excel and where we work, what we do for a life occupation. The problem is you're trying to get from people only what God can give. You see, only God can satisfy our soul. Only God can satisfy the longing in our minds and our hearts for what we want to have, what we want to achieve. Because people are going to fail us and we're going to be disappointed, and we're going to try and fill in the gaps, and we're trying to use things to make us feel better or to get over all the disappointments. We're going to do all this garbage that ends up hurting ourselves and hindering the good things that we do. And it seems like we're doing the right thing, and then it falls apart because somebody somewhere doesn't like what we're doing. Your value, your self-worth doesn't come from someone else. It comes from God. If we are not, if we do not value ourselves in the sight of God, we don't have the right perspective of God in us. Jesus values you so much that he died for you. You see, if you were the only person to have ever lived, Jesus would have died for you. If Adam and Eve, if you were Adam back in the garden and that from that creation no one else was ever going to be created, no one else was never going to be, have any children, anything that was happening, just those two individuals, and you were Adam, Jesus would have died for you. 
See, that's how much he loves us. He would have died for you. He would have died for your sins in which you broke the relationship that he had with you. We broke the relationship with God. God paid the price to make it right again. So how much then does he value your soul? How much does he value you as a person? So Jesus knew better than to rely on people. He states that your approval means nothing to me because I have a divine mission. I have a divine approval. I've come to do the will of my Father. So Jesus is telling us what they do or don't do other people doesn't determine your worth. If people love you or hate you, does not determine your worth. Now, of course, within reason, if they hate you because you busted their windows out and you tell them good, you know, that's, that's a good reason. That's not what we're talking about here. But they cannot stop your purpose. When people don't like you and people don't approve of you, it doesn't mean that our purpose is wrong. It means that we have to keep working the purpose for which God has created us using the talents and the abilities we have. Because something doesn't work doesn't mean it's a failure. It just means that that's not what you're supposed to do. <laughs> you know, it is no big deal. We, sometimes we like to try things. Sometimes we like to do things. You know, perhaps our friends are doing it. Perhaps this whatever. We get swept away in that uh, peer pressure or just being, wanting to be what our friends are. And it doesn't work out. We're not a failure. I tried it and it didn't work. It doesn't work for me. Not everyone is made in the same likeness, same image. We all have different values and different goals. And so we learn in this whole process of living. So if we become quite dependent on others' approval, we need to let that go and start finding God's approval of ourselves. And that is based upon how much he loves us, how much he loves us, and that he has a plan, a purpose. You, have, you didn't choose him. Always remember this. You didn't choose God. God chose you. Sometimes we get that mixed up. Sometimes we, 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 um, we find ourselves in a place where we have to make a decision to ask Christ to forgive us of our sins and so on. So it feels like we're choosing him. But God is the one who brought us to that place where we would come into the encounter with him. To know, to know that someone is searching for us, we had to search and search until we got to that place where we encountered the one who was searching for us. <laughs> and it feels like we chose him. And, and we do. We choose him to be our savior, but he chose us and we responded to that choice. Now in creation and in our abilities, while you were yet in your mother's womb, God formed you. He put you together. He gave you all your talents and your abilities and all of those things that you would use them to, di to distinguish who you are in your service, even if it is painting acorns. Yes, it's beautiful. One of our talented members paints acorns, you know, and it's beautiful, and I told her to put it out here and we'd sell it, but she didn't want to do that, you know. But uh, we'd go to the highest bidder, but uh, that's, you know, church gets half. That's what I was telling her, but, you know, you, know, just, you just can't make people do what you want to do, you know? I like to jab and pick and so on. Right? <laughs> you better say right or I'll do something more. But God has given us 
those abilities. He's given us talents. And sometimes we try things that don't fit who we are. You know, some of us feel like we're race car drivers whenever we're trying to drive down the highway. That's not your talent. <laughs> and that's not the place to be doing it. <laughs> Some nudging, you know, hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not a race car driver. There are speed limits for a purpose. <laughs> and, you know, what was surprising to me was to read how many people traveling over 100 miles an hour on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. I just read that recently. And it's like, you got to be kidding. I know I've seen them, you know, pass me like I'm standing still, and I'm going, well, I'm going 70. And they're going by me like I'm standing still. And I said, boy, I hope you get caught. That was my private prayer, you know. <laughs> because I was jealous. I can't go that fast. <laughs> no. But they're going to hurt somebody, maybe themselves, maybe someone else. So anyhow. Well, so we, we want to have man's approval is fleeting. Divine approval is what we want. So in Galatians chapter 6, this is where God is, you know, what do we have to do to, what do we have to, do to get God's approval? Now, remember, we said this in Sunday school, when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, steps out of the water, and the voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Okay? What, did Jesus, what had Jesus done to make the father well pleased? At that moment in time, Jesus had not done anything. It was the beginning of his ministry. Now, whenever Jesus is on the cross and he's dying, we, you, know, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You've done everything I've asked you. No, before, you see, God doesn't look at what you've done to say, I'm pleased with you. If somebody, if we want man's approval, we want them to look at what we've done and say, this is good. But God looks at who we are and says, this is good. Because he knows not what we have done, but he knows what we can become. And so he is trying to get us to move from where we are to where he wants us to be, always, and with the idea that I chose you, and I want you to become this, and you're going to keep growing to this. Now, are we going to fail? Yeah. It's just understandable. You know, are we going to fall down? Yeah. How do you learn to walk? <laughs> you know, you fall down. You, you punish a child for falling down? No, it's, oh, that's just part of the process. Well, why aren't we that forgiving with who we are is that we, we fall down, so get up. And we keep getting up. So Galatians chapter 6. Brothers and sisters, if someone in your group, someone, you know, a person in your group does something wrong, you know, they're overcome by some transgression or sin, you who are spiritual should go to that person and gently help make them right again to restore them. Be careful, because you might be tempted to sin. Now, this is, a, this is kind, of, it's kind of like a, what, 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 what? We're supposed, okay, someone has a problem, they have fallen from their walk with God or whatever, and he says, you who are spiritual, those of you who understand that people aren't perfect, go to those individuals and encourage them. Encourage them so that they can get back up and get on the road again, because it's important that you and I follow those who are spiritual, you, 
uh, are able to help encourage those who have fallen, those who've made a mistake, those who have failed. So what happens? We get, we get going. So what's sin, though? He says, be careful because you might be tempted to sin. What sin is he talking about? We'll find out. Verse 2. The, be, okay, by helping each other with your troubles. Now here again, this is one of those. By helping each other with your troubles. They have a problem. They failed. How is it mine? <laughs> okay, remember, we are the body of Christ. If one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. So whenever we're helping each other with your troubles, that we go to and help people with the understanding this, that by the grace of God, there goes me. You know, there goes I. That I could, I could be this person that has this problem. So we have ownership, but not ownership. Ownership in the sense that we are helping someone who needs the help, but the, and, and it goes on, bearing each other's burdens. You truly obey the law of Christ. Jesus came to carry, to take away our burdens and our, our sins and our so on. So when we are helping someone, we are helping them bear the burdens. I can't take someone else's pain. I can't carry someone else's burden. I remember years ago, um, talking with a nurse who was beginning in hospice and so on, and she was saying, and she was a great person, great dedicated nurse and, and, you know, everything. She's a wonderful person. I think she's still my friend, just haven't seen her for a long time. But uh, she said, you know, every time one of our patients dies, a little bit of me dies. And I thought, well, that sounds very good. Then I said to her, when do you become terminal? <laughs> when do you die in your ability to care for other people? Because if you die, how much of you do you have to die before you can't do this anymore. So being there and helping and caring, and you're, 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 you can't take what's their, their disease, you can't take their pain, you can't take their sorrow, but you can call along, you're called to walk alongside them and help and sustain them and, and to help them with each step that they take. Well, in our walk with Christ, we are called to help and sustain and to know that we're not alone in this. You're not alone in this. I'm not alone in this. I'm here to walk with you, and when your time comes to help me, you're there to help me because you have grown spiritually. We're growing spiritually together. Verse 3. This is the, the sin of uh, verse 1. Being careful because you might be tempted to sin. If anyone thinks of himself, well, I'll read what it says here. If anyone thinks he is important when he really is not, He's only fooling himself. So when we go to help someone and think, you know, I'm spiritual. <laughs> I've got it all together. I haven't fallen like you. But I'm here to help you, you know. Uh, I was, there was a, a pastor years ago, and we were talking and so on, and, and he, you know, after we finish this, he comes over and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he says, you know, it's always been something in our church to help the small pastor. He's telling me, I'm the small pastor 
He's the big pastor, and he's there to help me. Do you think I had animosity toward that guy? <laughs> and if I'd had a ball bat, I'd have let him know that I may have used it on him. <laughs> no. But I w- it was just like, I felt, wow, what arrogance. That's not what I was here for. That's not what I was thinking. In fact, I was thinking of how that you might partner together and so that we might serve the body of Christ more completely. You know, with my talents and your talents and things like that, we could really, we could really rock this place. And he says, <laughs> you small little guy, you, be careful that you don't sin by fooling yourself that you're more important. You see, arrogance says, it's their problem, let them deal with it. They deserve what they got, and I'll try to rescue them. Pride says, if you think you're better than others, you aren't really helping people. So be careful that you don't sin. You see, judgment, the wrong assessments. What did you expect from people who live on that side of town? See how we're easily swayed and have those wrong judgments and wrong expectations? And... Verse 4 says, each person should examine or judge his own actions. See, if we're not open to looking at who we are, we're open to (laughs) receiving false things, false pride, false uh, whatever, a pride that is arrogant and, you know, we're above or superior. But we're not doormats. Jesus wasn't a doormat. He just knew who he was. And he didn't think it robbery to be equal with God to say he and the Father are one. He didn't think it, he didn't think it beneath him to go and, and spend the day with the, you know, the people, the, the tax collectors and the harlots, the sinners of the town. You know, he didn't think it beneath him to do that. So he knew who he was. So it isn't that this makes me above or this makes me beneath. It just makes me who I am. So I don't need the approval of men, but it's nice to have it. But I don't need it, Jesus is saying. I've come to do the will of my Father. And if we know what the will of the Father is, is to use our talents to the best that we can and know that as I look at this and I look at God, God is well pleased because I didn't cut any corners. I didn't didn't do anything wrong purposefully. I did all the right things before God. So someone else comes over and says, oh, I don't like that. You're wrong. (laughs) You're wrong because God, I did it before the Lord. Doing doing one's best leaves no reason for you to compare yourself with others. If you do your best, we're continuing to grow. Now, you know, we know people that you couldn't tell them, you couldn't tell, you can't give them any thought, any suggestion, whatever, because they know it all. And they've never improved in what they do. But then if we're open to suggestions and open to ideas and looking at what's right and what's wrong and how new concepts and new things, you know, if we do what we know and we do it, do it right and then something comes along that improves it and we move on to that, it doesn't mean that this was wrong. It just means that we found a better way. <laughs> Comparisons. I always call it the sin of comparison. 
The sin of comparison is when I feel superior, I feel pretty good, have a good day, I compare my strengths with their weaknesses and I put them down. When I'm feeling depressed and not so good, I take my worst of my worst things and I compare it to the best of their strengths and I say I'm nobody. Comparison only causes us to fall, falter, fail, and puts roadblocks to success. If we're going to be successful, we're not going to find it in comparing. I like what uh, John Maxwell said, that whenever we, we're, we're trying to get to the top of the ladder, and when we finally reach the, the top of the ladder, we find that it's against the wrong building. <laughs> I'm doing the best that I can, and I got to the wrong building. All right, Jesus, wrong, you know. All right, so, 539, and the Father who sent me has given proof about me. All right, in chapter 5, verse 39, it says, the Father who sent me has given proof about me. Now, in our life, doing our best, our Father has sent, and he gives proof to us about who we are. It's the little things. You know, the other day we had this, uh, Terry, how, when did I start? You know, I got to finish at least after 45 minutes. You should don't have it up there. But anyhow, there was this, we were sitting in my office there and, and in our home, and this deer, deer, you know, not, not some lady, this, this animal deer, <laughs> walks right by my window in the middle of the afternoon. It's like, Rhonda, deer, <laughs> there's a deer. <laughs> and we, she gets out, and I said, look, there's a deer. He's walking in front of her. It's just a little, it's, I think it's a yearling, you know, just lost its spots. And it's out there eating under the bird feeder, and we're watching it. He walks up and walks across the street to the neighbor's flowers, eats them. <laughs> walks over a little further, eats more of their flowers. Comes back across the street, eats some more bird seed on, underneath the tree, and walks right by our, our, my window again. People said, that's a sign. I said, well, if it had a sign, I, didn't, I couldn't read it. There was nothing on the side. <laughs> you know, we're always looking for signs. We want a sign that this is what we're supposed to do. This is what God has already given us a sign. It's the calling. It's in our heart. It's the abilities and talents that we have that we're using them. You know, it's we're using them. So each person must be responsible for himself, verse 5. Each person must be responsible for himself. Carry their own load. <laughs> help each other with their troubles, your troubles. Verse 2, remember that little? Helping each other with your... Our load isn't just about us. It's about being part of the body of Christ where we are an encourager to others. That we can help other people while helping ourselves. You know... Um, one of those guys that I read, he said, if you help enough people reach their goals, you will find that you have reached yours. If you help enough people reach their goal, you will find that you have reached your goal. And I think that this is what Jesus is trying, or what Paul is trying to tell us here about the, the body of Christ, that we are responsible for carrying our own load, but our own load is more than just me, myself, and I. It's about being part of the body of Christ where we are encouragers. And we find that I had to 
I thought of this story, maybe you remember it, the little boy. It was after a, 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 a storm at, you know, at sea and, and uh, stirred up the waves and things. And he goes out walking on the beach. And the beach is full of starfish. You remember the story? And he goes along and he's picking up a starfish and throwing it back in the water. And a guy comes along and says, wow, you know, what are you doing that for? It doesn't really matter. You can never make a difference. And he's really kind of just down on the kid for throwing the starfish back in one. He says, it really doesn't matter. And the little boy looks up to him and picks up a starfish and says, to this one it matters. <laughs> Puts it back in the ocean. Our life is about the this one. Not the thousand that are out on the beach. It's this one. It's this moment. It's this thing that I am doing. This is what is important at this time. And to this one, it matters. And God is telling us, to this one, to you, his love for you matters. So this isn't about the whole universe. This is about each one of us who make up the universe. It's each one of us realizing that God has given us our talents and our abilities, and we continue to thank him for and for asking God to lead us in how that we perform, or how that we live, how that we do our talents. Anyone who is learning the teaching of God should share all the good things he has with his teacher. Basically, he's saying here that the student should, you know, if the teacher is making a living full-time teaching, the student should share his, um, his wealth or his goods with the, with the teacher. Verse 7, do not be fooled, do not be deceived. You cannot cheat or make a fool of God. You can't make a fool of God. People harvest only what they plant. You reap what you sow. You harvest what you plant. So um, in Malachi 3.10, we always use this one, you know, for tithing and giving, but this, a couple of weeks ago, we did this in, in Sunday school, and I was, I was, very, I was shocked to, to uh, understand what that really means. It says, and it goes on to say, uh, verse 10 of Malachi 3 says, Try this test. Bring one-tenth of your things to me. Put them in the treasury. Bring food to my house. Test me. If you do these things, I will surely bless you. Good things will come to you like rain falling from the sky. You will have more than enough of everything. Sounds pretty good. But verse 9 of that says, In this way, your whole nation has stolen things from me. From me. And it says, have you, robbed, you have robbed God. I think, wait a minute, stolen from God, robbed God? You know, I always thought, if you didn't, you know, if you didn't give your tenths to the Lord, it was just like um, it was a failure to give. But in this, in this lesson that we had a few weeks ago, it, failure to, obedient, to obediently give is an act of violence against God. It's like, whoa, wait a minute now. I never knew that. I think I've been good. <laughs> I've, been, I've been acting violently towards God. Wait a minute. The tithe is a test of the faithfulness of God. It is our faithfulness to God and is a test of God's faithfulness to us. Did you know in, in, the, in ancient times, you know, they didn't have weather forecasts, <laughs> yearly forecasts for growing season. They were to give their grain 
a tenth, the first fruits of their grains. They were to give it to, to God. They were to give of everything they possessed so that God would send rain when it was needed and God would send provision to them when they, when they needed. And they didn't have stores. It was, a, it was a, a, you know, you had to grow what you eat and it had to come if you had a drought. It was all over. People were dying. Well, the tithe is a test of the faithfulness of God and his promises. And God says, I will surely bless you. And he doesn't say, don't call me surely. Uh, <laughs> some of you get that. But anyhow, I, sh- I will surely bless you. Uh, I had too much coffee. Yeah, I will surely bless you. Good things will come to you like rain falling from the sky. So if what is happening in robbing, you know, what he's saying here, robbing God is actually robbing yourself. Verse 9, verse 8 says, If they plant to satisfy the field of their sinful selves, their sinful selves will bring them ruin. <laughs> what a surprise. You plant corn and pumpkins grow. <laughs> we know that doesn't happen. Seed begets the seed. If you plant corn, corn grows. You plant beans, beans grow. Plant pumpkin seeds, pumpkins grow. So every action has a result. Every plant, every seed has an opportunity to bring forth what it is. If people aren't kind to you, sow kindness. If you don't have love for people, love people. If, if something is wrong, don't go by the wrong, go by what is right. And so we're building ourselves up in our relationship with Christ and being part of the body of Christ to heal that brokenness that someone has. Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. The fruit of your life is a tree of life. <laughs> he that winneth souls is wise. That's Proverbs 11.30. Verse eight, verse 8 again says, If they plan to satisfy their sinful selves, their sinful selves will, will bring ruin. But if they plant to please the Spirit, they will harvest eternal life from the Spirit. If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, he will quicken your mortal bodies, that in whenever we die, we are quickened, we, the, the body comes back to life, goes to heaven. So we got this whole understanding that God says, don't rob me from blessing you. Don't maliciously keep from God because he wants to bless you and to keep you. Then we go on to um, verse 9. We must not become tired or discouraged of doing good. We will see or we will receive a harvest of eternal life at the right time if we do not give up. Sometimes you can become weary in doing the good things. You know, sometimes you just get tired of doing good things for people. Because if you look at people's approval and you don't get it, you get tired of doing it. But if we're doing our life to God, we are serving God and wanting God, and God will bless us. You see, we're not in comparison. Well, I must, not, I must be doing something wrong or they would like me. <laughs> so I've I got to change who I am. I've got to put on this, that. No, come back to God. God, what am I doing and how am I doing it? Is there a better way for me to do and to, to live out the talents that you've given me? 
So my relationship with God is the one that inspires me to do more, that encourages me to, do, to be the best that I am. And if you're always doing your best, your best will get better. Verse 10. When we have the opportunity to help, we have the opportunity to do good to anyone, we should do it. Starfish, this one it matters. But we should give special attention to those who are in the family of believers. So, we're to look out for one another. Why? Because we're in the same body, body of Christ. So we are to be encouragers to each other, encouragers to the body of Christ, encouragers to one another, no matter what has happened, no matter what is happening. We don't sit in judgment. We are there to offer who we are and help to those who are in need. So, uh, one other verse, and Jesus is talking about the vine and the branches in John 15, 7. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified. And I wanted to end with that. I'm not looking for the approval of man, which is not a bad thing to have. I'm looking for the approval of God because that is everything. And Jesus said this, I am here to do the will of my Father, and what I'm doing herein, the things that I've been doing, things that I am, it glorifies him. So in our life, we don't look to people to get approval, for in reality, their approval means nothing. God's approval is everything. Help others. Do not be fooled by how great you are. Examine yourself without comparing. Give to, your, to those who are helpers or teachers of you. Do not cheat God by cheating yourself. People harvest only what they plant. Do not be discouraged. Receive courage knowing that you are doing the will of your Father. Do good every time the opportunity presents itself. God, your approval means everything to me. <laughs> and God isn't one who is condemning us. He's always encouraging, encouraging, restoring, revealing, helping, dealing, working with us. We do it in Jesus' name. Jesus, he himself will answer or save his people. Jesus, he himself will answer your prayers. We place our need in the lap of Christ. His approval means everything. Amen? Jesus, we thank you for hearing our prayers. You teach us many things by your Spirit, and Lord, you encourage our hearts in many different ways, but Lord, you have given us these talents, these abilities, and we ask you to guide us and that we not compare, but Lord, that we look to you to help us continue to rebuild and build again that which you have given to us. May we be connected and firmly affixed to the vine who is Jesus. And that Lord, as we look at these scripture, these texts, Lord, we pray that we will see your hand working in us as we live out your calling in our lives. So bless each one.
affirm our position in you. Give us strength for this moment. Forgive us of our sins and our failures. Restore us, encourage us, build us up in our most precious and holy faith. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You're supposed to say amen. That's an encouragement. I depend upon you for, pleasing, uh, for making me happy. <laughs> oh, yeah, next Sunday. Fall behind. Yeah, time change next Sunday. Almost forgot. Yeah, so keep that in mind. Show up an hour early. You'll be at Sunday school. <laughs>